So without too much introduction, uh, it's Doug's time to give us the message this morning. Yeah, let me see here. I'm getting straight. Y'all are working on me. I, I've, I've gone from preaching on the, using a music stand in the middle of the floor in front of the, the, the altar there to preaching up here, and now I'm using the actual podium instead of the, the music stand. So y'all, y'all are getting me there. Eventually I'll make it. I'm just trying to figure out how to see this thing without too much reflection from the light. That might work. Let's try that. All right, well, welcome to fall in Myrtle Beach. It's only going to be 85 degrees today, so enjoy that. We'll get there eventually. Don't worry, we, we will get there eventually. We, they teased us a couple weeks ago, or about a week ago, didn't it? Gave us like a mid-70s day, and it was beautiful. And we all got excited, and it didn't last very long. But um, we have been talking about some vineyard distinctives. And I talked about one a few weeks ago, Come Holy Spirit. And then Lauren discussed one, um, was it last week? Last week? I can't keep the schedule. And she did, Everybody Gets to Play. And these are all sayings or values that we have in the vineyard. And you can't go and point directly to a, um, a scripture and say, This comes from this scripture. These are just things that primarily John Wimber had distilled from being a man of the word, teaching the word, being completely submitted to Jesus, and pulling together that wisdom from God and saying, these are values that we have. And so we have another value today that we're going to talk about, and that is, come as you are, everybody's welcome in the door. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Because if you come, eventually you hang out, it dives right in, delves right into, you know, the give us five, give me five, hang five with us. So if you're hanging five and you're hanging around and maybe you're just investigating this faith journey, maybe you're not a believer, you know, and if you keep hanging around long enough, you're going to bump into Jesus. And Phil Strout, I, I, I think uh, Lauren shared a video with you last week, and I'm going to share a quick video too of Phil Strout talking about this vineyard distinctive. So let's see what Phil has to say. Here's another saying as part of the distinctives. You know, you go to the vineyard church, you can hear it said like, come as you are, you will be loved. And, which is true. Amen. I mean, we're very welcoming. Uh, but we may also say, come as you are, but you don't stay as you are. Well, you know something what I like about that is that that doesn't exclude anybody. Everybody that comes I always say, let, let people alone. Let them just hang out. Give them their space, even if, in, in, in our church where I, where I pastor. Because sooner or later, if they hang out, they're going to bump into Jesus. And then when, once they bump into Jesus, what happens is he begins to, like, just in a very godly way, put his fingers on certain things in, in our lives. Every one of us, it doesn't matter who's listening to what I'm saying right now, we've all had things where in the journey, God comes along and says, Tom, what about this? Billy, what about that? Sue, what about that? So God is very, in that sense, welcoming. I think the church is welcoming. If the church isn't welcoming to everybody, then it really not even is study the church. So come as you are, but don't stay as you are. God welcomes you, and then the transforming power of God begins to transform life. 
change us. Change us. Nobody's exempt to that. So somebody can't say, well, I came, but, but I wasn't loved the way I was because I don't want to change. I, I don't have an agenda for somebody's self-improvement, but I know God has an agenda of a life that he prefers for us as human beings. So I like it that the vineyard uses a statement like, come as you are, just don't stay as you are. We're going to provoke and poke one another under godliness. I mean, we're actually instructed to do that. It would be sad if we just want people to come in and sit in a seat so we can count them as a number, but we have no concern for the transformation of their life from what they were to what they, what they can be, which is one of the things that Jesus taught. Paul talked about it also when Paul said, such were some of you, but... And I, I, so I think that's a part of it. I love it. I, I just, I, I wanted to make sure we never lose this. All are welcome. I'm just big open arms. But we're also all in this together to be changed into the image of Christ. So come as you are, you will be loved. Come as you are. But probably you won't get to stay as you are. Because we've all got a ways to go. <coughs> I love that. I love how he says, we're all in this together. We're all changing, right? But this is the thing. This is the problem, is change. Like, when I came to the Lord, and when most of us came to the Lord, like, I, I had some things going on in my life. And I immediately did not want to drink and party anymore. It just left, it left me. Uh, my father-in-law tells a story about being set free from drugs, drug addiction and alcohol. Immediately. And so we like that. Like, that part of change, we like that. And I know people are like, oh, yeah, I love change. Change is awesome. They like external change. They like external change. Because let me tell you, then all of a sudden, I liked that change. You know, whew, my life is better now. I don't have that stuff in my life at change. And then when God says, um, hey, why don't we change this? It's like, whoa, whoa, I changed. I changed already. I'm a different person. I'm a new creation. I changed already. And then God's like, pulls out the chisel and the hammer, he starts tapping. Tink, tink, tink. Ow. No, no, no. I'm good. I don't need any tink, 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 tink. That's the problem. Because the saying sounds cool. Come as you are, but don't stay that way. Until you're the one that he doesn't want to stay that way. Then it's not very fun. Then it's not very fun. But you will see that having Jesus work in us and God work in us to begin to change us is not just because he wants to mess with us. Like, when your friend or your spouse is going, man, you, you, you really need to quit doing that. Why do you talk to people like that? Why do you talk to And you're like, I don't know. Leave me alone. But that's God going, hey, hey, listen, listen. There's a mutual submission that we have. And we're going to jump into this, and you're going to wonder, what in the heck does that have to do with what he was just talking about? But we'll find out. We'll get there. Trust me. So I'm going to jump into uh, Acts. We're going to start in Acts 15. And what's going on here in Acts 15 is in, they're in Antioch, and there's a dispute between Jewish believers and Gentiles. Gentiles, basically non-Jews, right? So you have Jewish believers uh, who now believe that Jesus is Messiah, and then you have Gentiles who believe in Jesus. And the, these particular group of Jews believe that the Gentiles needed to follow the Mosaic law. 
Paul the apostle did not. And so the church appointed Paul to go to Jerusalem and discuss this issue. And so here's what happened. In verse 6, at the Jerusalem, what's known as the Jerusalem Council, it says the apostle, and, and I'm not putting this up on the screen, please follow along in your Bible or your app or whatever. I, didn't want, I just felt like it's too much changing going on up there, and I want you to just be able to kind of soak it in and just follow along. So the apostles and the elders gathered to consider this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers and sisters, you are aware that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the gospel message and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he also did to us. He made no distinction between us and them cleansing their hearts by faith. Now then, why are you testing God by putting a yoke on the disciples' necks that neither our ancestors or we have been able to bear? On the contrary, we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way they are. So these Jewish people obviously believe that the law is not saving them anymore. It's Jesus. And so he's reasoning with them. The whole assembly became silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul describe all the signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And then James stands up and he affirms what Peter says. He agrees with what Peter is saying. And then if we pick back up in verse 22, we have the letter to the Gentile believers. And this is very important to everybody sitting in this room right now. Then the apostles and the elders with the whole church, decided to select men who were among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, both leading men among the brothers. They wrote, from the apostles and the elders, your brothers, to the brothers and sisters among the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Right off the bat, the, 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 head, the head church, that's like Jerusalem's like the mother church. And so they are saying, hey, you are our brothers and sisters right off the bat. Since we have heard that some without our authorization went out from us and troubled you with their words and unsettled your hearts, we have unanimously decided to select men and send them to you along with our dearly beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas who will personally report the same things by word of mouth. So in other words, they're sending this letter and we're also sending these men so that they can affirm that yes, this letter is the real deal. It, didn't, it wasn't made up. For it was Holy Spirit's decision and ours not to place further burdens on you beyond these requirements, that you abstain from food offered to idols, from blood, from eating anything that has been strangled and from sexual immorality. You will do well if you keep yourselves from these things. Farewell. And that was primarily because that was a lot of part, part of the pagan worship of the day and part of that culture. So they said, these things stay away from, and that's it. So let's pray, and we'll get into this a little more. Father, I thank you for your word, that you blessed reading your word, and that it would be received into our hearts that as you're speaking to us today, Lord, that um, we can continue our journey to not stay as we are, 
that we would be provoked and encouraged in that word. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So, here's the thing. Do you know what this means? What this letter means? This is very important to the men of Antioch because they didn't have to get circumcised. You can laugh, it's okay. <laughs> That's what this letter means. Hey, guys. You don't have to get circumcised. I'm just kidding. Actually, what it, it, I'm serious, though. That's what it meant. But um, what it really means is that we are here in these chairs today largely because of that letter. Because basically, the faith was a Jewish, Jewish sect until now. This letter officially said, hey, we are a church of Jews and Gentiles. We are, only, we are unified by our belief in, in Christ Jesus. Changed the course of church history for us right there. And why else is this important? It's because it was Peter who led the church who was willing to change. He was willing to not stay the way he was. And Peter is an interesting figure. Um, whereas we see the apostle John, he paints himself in his gospel you know, as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Well, Peter is probably the disciple most likely to cut off an ear. Peter's rash, and you see that all through there. He speaks without thinking. He does things before he thinks about them. And this is the Peter we first meet. And when we first meet Peter is when his brother comes, his brother is a disciple of John the Baptist. And his brother comes to him to tell him that we have found the Messiah. And we see this in John uh, chapter 1, verse 41. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought Simon, Peter, this was his name at the time, to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. So like most of us, first time he encountered Jesus was truly impacting. It changed who he was. Jesus changed his name. And then shortly after, they were fishing. Uh, Peter and Andrew were fishing, and Jesus comes and says, follow me. I will make you a fisher of men. And, Jesus gets, and he, uh, Peter gets his calling from Jesus. He's going to teach him how to fish for men. He's becoming an evangelist. And not only that, this boy who became a fisherman and had never had the opportunity to become a rabbi is now being discipled by a rabbi, which just doesn't happen. Well, that's Jesus breaking all the bounds and breaking the barriers. Because rabbis would go and they would call their disciples to them. And so he chose these two fishermen. And Peter's life is changing. Peter's the one that we see stepping out of the boat to walk on the water. They see they're, all the, once the disciples have come together and you've got the 12, they're in a boat and they see Jesus walking on the water and Peter says, if that's you, tell me to come out there. And he does. And Peter almost walks on the water. He almost does it. For a second, he does. And then he begins to be aware of something besides Jesus. And he sinks. And then we see a crucial point in Peter's life when he is the one who declares the deity of Jesus. 
In Matthew 16, Jesus says, But you, he asked them, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. But now we begin to see something in Peter's character uh, as things begin to get a little bit more tense. Things begin to be exposed in Peter. Uh, Jesus proclaims that he will be killed and then rise on the third day, and Peter rebukes him. It says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh no, Lord, this will never happen to you. We begin to see the fear that is seated in Peter. And the fear begins to win out over the words of Jesus. Jesus is telling him, this is what's going to happen. But the fear in Peter is not trusting in the words of Jesus. The fear in Peter is trusting in what he thinks Jesus should be. See, I reached a point in my life, too, where I was going through this crushing, this I thought Jesus was somebody, and then I began to question whether that's what who Jesus really was. So I was part of very much a charismatic word of faith church. And, you know, I was told that you, if you just believe the scripture and you quote the scripture enough and you speak it out and you speak it out, it will come to pass. And it wasn't working for me. And I kind of began to have this kind of failure of my faith in who Jesus really was. And then, I don't know how many of you, heard, I think you've heard the story how I met my wife through a series of events, a course of events, I had this encounter with God and he revealed himself to me as father and I began to see Jesus in a different light from the way I had previously, from what I was hearing previously. And so Peter is dealing with this. This was going on because the apostles thought that Jesus was coming to restore the kingdom of Israel, to overthrow the Romans and now Jesus is talking about dying. And that's scary because everything that they had been dreaming of was going to come to an end now. So then we see even more. Jesus predicts that Peter will deny him three times before the rooster crows. And Peter says, I will never deny you, Lord. I will never deny you. Now Peter is struggling with who he is, with who God is telling him he is at this point. He's struggling inside himself, and we see more fear. He reacts in fear. They come to arrest Jesus after Judas betrays him. And Peter takes the sword and he cuts the ear of the guard off without even thinking, driven by fear of Jesus leaving him. Driven by fear. And then the prediction comes true. And Peter denies Jesus three times before the rooster crows. And we see the fear of man in Peter. And then, of course, we have Jesus rising again, the gift of the Holy Spirit delivered. And we see Peter becoming a new man after he's been through this time of squashing, this time of being crushed, this time of these things in his life coming to the surface so God can deal with them and get him out of the way. And we see right here that Jesus comes to him and three times he says to him, Peter, 
do you love me? Peter says, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Then shepherd my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Three times. And then Peter says, you know all things, Lord. You know that I do. And he has a very real moment. And he's redeemed from his three times of denial and his three times of affirmation of his love and commitment to Jesus. And this man has been changed. In Acts 3, we see him come into his own. Holy Spirit has fallen. Men are speaking out in foreign tongues and other people are are assuming, hey, these men are drunk. And in 317, Peter stands up to explain how the power of the Holy Spirit has fallen on these people as prophesied by Joel. And then he speaks for the next 23 verses he preaches to them with power and with authority. And in 41 it says, So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day 3,000 people were added to them. That is a new man speaking with authority and power but a man who has been through the gauntlet to get to this point. And we know that it's stuck because we see again in Acts 4, Peter and John were ministering and uh, preaching the gospel, and a man is healed. The Sanhedrin doesn't, doesn't like it, so they send the guards to bring them in. <clears throat> and they ask him, by what power do you do these things? Remember, they tried to trick Jesus almost exactly the same way. But what, what power do you do these things? And Peter says, Basically, by the power of the name Jesus, the man you crucified, who is the Son of God and the only way to salvation. And they realize, okay, we're dealing with a different person. And so then they say, okay, we're going to release you, but you're not going to say anything else. And he says, would it be better for me to listen to man or to listen to God? I won't quit preaching the name of Jesus Christ. And they let him go. It just says they made some further threats, and they let him go. He stumped them. They didn't have anything on him. He was speaking with a power and authority. The different man, a different man. And guess what? He became, he was the head of the church in Jerusalem, became a powerful figure. And then we have this happen. In Galatians 2, Paul says something. Now it says, uh, it's been 14 years since Paul went to Jerusalem. So it gives us a kind of a timeline of how long Peter has been leading the church. Probably, I don't know, between, probably looking at 20 years or so now. I, don't, I didn't look it up exactly to find out how long it's been. And there was an argument, just like before, between the Judaizers and Paul about the Gentiles needing to adhere to the law and be circumcised. And Paul is defending his position, saying it was recognized by the church, including Peter. This is where it says, he gave us the right hand of fellowship. But he goes on to, to talk about something when he has a confrontation with Peter. And so he's defending this in this letter to the Galatians. He's trying to set this stuff straight so these Judaizers, people will quit listening to these Judaizers. And so we see in Galatians um, uh, 2.11. But when Cephas came to Antioch, 
I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Here's Peter's fear. Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? See, Peter was the first one. Peter was praying on the roof. Years, way years before this, sitting on the roof praying. And he had a vision and a sheet unfolded. And there was all these unclean animals in there. There was like bacon and shrimp and all this good stuff in there that he couldn't eat. Some steamed crabs. It was all in there. And he said, no, Lord, don't tempt me. I won't eat that stuff. And he says, no, Peter, eat. No, Lord, I won't eat that stuff. Peter, don't call unclean what I have made clean. And Peter realizes that this message is for the Gentiles as well as the Jews. So he was the first one. And so Paul is calling him out on this change. And if we go all the way back to where we started in Acts, we see the power of a changed man leading the church for some 20 years maybe. But when he is approached with a shortcoming of his by a brother in the Lord, he says, you're right. And then we get Acts 15. Then we get the letter from the Jerusalem Council. And then we get all of us sitting here in these seats, you, me, Gentiles welcomed in. See, what they believed before is that they could be saved, that Gentiles could be saved, but they couldn't be the people of God. There was salvation, but they weren't the people of God until they adhered to the laws. And that destroyed that barrier. And we are the people of God because a man was willing to not stay as he came. And even a powerful man at that time. And so I just want to leave you with this ending exhortation here from Philippians 1. That's Paul speaking to the Philippians. It's his greeting, sort of our benediction. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying for the joy for all of you in my every prayer. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, I am sure of this. He who started a good work in you will carry it unto the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The fruit that came from Peter's willingness to not stay as he was is us sitting right here in this room. What will the fruit look like of our willingness to not stay like we are? 
Will it be the salvation of our family? Will it be the salvation of friendships? The rescue of a friendship, the rescue of a marriage? Will it be a room full of new believers? Will it be a room full of people who were discipled by you? A room full of people who are now strong in the faith because of you. A next generation walking in faith because of you being willing to not stay as you were. And as Stefan comes, I just want to ask you, let's ask the Lord, Lord, what was that? Maybe, maybe there was a thing he pointed out and you just kind of blew it off. Lord, what was that thing that I blew off? I don't even remember what it was. Or Lord, what is the thing that you want to touch now, today? Or maybe you've yet to start your journey of faith with Jesus. And he's calling out to you right now, even right now. So Stefan comes up, I'm going to pray. Lord, show us. Show us our hearts. Reveal to us what it is. What do you want to change in us? How can we move forward? How can we grow deeper? How can we have a deeper understanding of your love? How can we bear more fruit in our lives? We're open and willing, Lord. As we come to this place of communion, maybe there's something you've been holding on to. Maybe there's something you just need to hand over to the Lord. An offense, a hurt, anger. Something you just need to hand over to the Lord as we come into this moment of communion. Father, we thank you for the freedom and for the fruit that will come from our decisions. In Jesus' name, amen.